All right, everyone. This is Agency Journey. I am Andrew Dembski, your host here, and I am so fired up to invite Kevin Barber from Lean Labs back to the podcast. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. It's uh, I'm fired up to have you here. We're talking about like all the lessons you learned over the past year and and what you see changing in the agency space in the year to come. And you are a guy who's always moving and always shaking. And I know you bring some. You're gonna bring some fresh takes here to the audience. So we're excited to have you. All right, we'll see what I can bring. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, I guess to start off, you've been on the podcast a few times, but maybe there's someone watching or listening right now that doesn't know who you are and what you're all about. So could you kind of give us the the elevator pitch background story of Lean Labs and what you guys are all about? Sure. So um, basically, Lean Labs started off as a design development firm working on like WordPress type websites. And what we figured out was a lot of our clients had a great looking website that they liked, but they had no growth strategy. So in 2013, um, we found HubSpot or HubSpot found us. And you know, we launched on the new CMS and like a year after that, we realized, gosh, all of our clients on HubSpot were outperforming all of our clients not on HubSpot. There's something to this thing. So uh, we became an inbound agency, uh, transformed what we had called continuous improvement subscriptions to growth driven design. It's amazing the power of just the right words. Uh, and uh, that has really propelled our growth. I can safely say that the transition into a HubSpot agency has en- enabled us to find our way and ultimately has, has changed the life of myself my family and I think some of the people on our team so pretty big that's fantastic can you talk about that for just a second like your what drives you as an owner to keep innovating to keep changing like I heard you say it changed the lives of me my family my team like can you speak to that for just a second like what's motivating you to keep pushing this ball forward well, um, so that's an interesting question I would say that uh, I am probably the kind of person who is a little bit motivated by default like you don't have to go and cheer me up or raw me up to accomplish things so i have an achievement based you know mindset um i i would say that i i drive some self-worth from achievement and i would say that i also feel it's our duty it's like our duty as americans to be the shining city on the hill so as an entrepreneur i want to drive impact so i want to make a difference i want to you know it's kind of one of those things where now that i'm I've crossed the the forty mark. Sadly, um, you know, I wanna I wanna drive a significant impact. I want a lot of people at my funeral being like, couldn't have done without them. So you know, dude, that is that's amazing. Um, we this is a little side note. My grandma just passed away. She was ninety four years old, and her funeral was packed out. And she was the sweetest lady and had a huge impact on my life. I'm like, dang, there's a woman who spoke softly, carried a big stick, and impacted the lives of a whole lot of people. So I don't think, we just had James Robert Lay on earlier here on um, Agents Journey Live, and he talked about the idea of like just embracing the fact that you're going to die someday, and knowing that every decision that you make, all that you do, you know, you only have so much time in the day. So as we build these businesses, make sure you're building something that you love. Um, and I see that in you and how you are, you're growing and changing and evolving and everything. So. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate it. I think your your grandmother sounds like a great role model. I just think that finding the way that we contribute and leave this place better than we found it is our duty, you know? Yeah, so That's awesome. So. Well, take me kind of behind the scenes. Um, what are some of the key things that you learned in 2018 as, you, as you're leading your team there at Lean Labs? Yeah, so 
I would say that 2018 um, was a really important year because I, I feel like we're starting to come into our own as an organization. Um, and I think that a couple of the ways I was trying to think about, you know, what are the couple of ways that we did that? And I think that there's two. Um, one is like, as an agency, like, what do you stand for? What do you offer? What do you deliver? And it's like growth, but like, go to the next one and they're going to say the same thing. And you go to the next one and they're going to say the same thing. And all of a sudden it is, is it's like, uh, I think we're commoditizing ourselves from the start. And I think that that's a problem. So I think that you got to stand, you got to articulate what you stand for. I think you got to articulate what you stand against as well. Um, and I think that, you know, we're, making clear what we are and what we're not. And we really can consider ourselves a little bit of the, uh, an agency that, that doesn't really like some typical agency model. So we don't really consider ourselves an agency. We call ourselves a growth team and we articulate how that's different, at least in our view, um, articulate the values that we stand for and the value that we're going to deliver like everyone else would. Yeah. But we also articulate what we stand against and, what's at stake if you go a different direction. And it doesn't mean it's the right fit to hire us, but we make it really clear who's right for us and who's not right for us. What are the pitfalls that someone who's right for us is going to experience if they go a different way and what the pitfalls are going to be if someone's wrong for us yeah. uh, tries to hire us anyway. So like we know that we're really collaborative. It takes a lot of work, um, you know, and there's some things that we're looking for out of our engagements. And I think when we articulate that, well, when we when I when I do our job real well, um, the right clients come to us. So I think oh, that man. that's that's kind of the deal. Talk to me about like that's polarizing, right? To kind of create that line in the sand and here's who who's here before, here's who we're against. Was that a journey for you to get to that point? Did you have to overcome anything to arrive at that place of clearly stating who was a good fit and who wasn't? Um, I just really took a look at successful campaigns, whether it's political. It's pretty clear what they stand for and what they stand against. You know, I read the book Building a Story Brand, Donald Miller's stuff, yeah, you know, articulates yeah. movies and there's this journey that you're on. And, uh, you know, we're just the guide. But as the guide, I think we got to articulate what our values are, what we're what we're leading to and what we're steering away from. I think that being able to articulate that story and and who your tribe is. Uh, is going to enable you to attract them. I don't think you have to overly sell them when you can help them self-identify. And, and um, one of the things we have not done and probably aren't likely to do anytime soon is, you know, I still hire all my customers. So, you know, I'm in that sales seat. So I have to go into every call really in a position to not care whether they are the right fit or not. I'm not going to force that fit. I'm just, I'm going to hold stand for what uh, we're about and I think that that can become for the right brands magnetic and then yes like everyone else I do a lot of calls where there's not a lot of traction and I, I just kind of feel like that's the universe saying it's not the perfect fit you know yeah, yeah. it's almost like detaching yourself from the outcome and just being there to help out you know if you can you can if you can't you can't and as I think a lot of agency owners are desperate for business so they're like trying to cling to every opportunity that they get but forget that if you need to take one step back and say like how are we positioning ourselves are we hiring clients or are we chasing clients um, right so that's powerful and, and, and that should not change it shouldn't change based upon who you're talking to you know you can introduce it in a way that makes sense for the conversation that you're in but your narrative should not change it should be consistent it should be who you are it should be authentic um, I think you got to know who that is and I think I would say 
you know, you have to make sure that that's known beyond just you. Uh, I think that that was one of the things that I might have struggled with as I realized partway through last year, I wasn't saying that to two really important people, uh, my clients or prospective clients and my team. So I'm trying to start to work on that more. So, um, awesome. you know, we're all we're all work in progress. So. <laughs> Were there any like specific shifts or specific tweaks that you made in 18 towards this vision of becoming like more clear about who you are and who you're not that you want to highlight? Um, I would say that something that we really solidified a little bit is how we're looking at success. So whether it's inbound or GDD, uh, and I would say we're a little bit farther along in the inbound part of it, but um, the is articulating how um, we're measuring our own success and we get buy-in on that. And this is where we are versus where we said we were going to be. Look, you know, we're between our minimum goal and our reach goal or look this month it eclipsed our, even our reach goal, you know, so that we can define success. Cause if you just show a chart without the, the gutters of what's good and what's bad, it's, it's yeah, an almost yeah. meaningful, meaningless data. So, uh, I would say that that was really helpful to show the vision of where we're headed um, to our clients. Does that make sense? So it's a yeah. it's a chart that most startups initially um, are like, oh, I don't care about the three-year or the five-year plan. But I'm like, well, well, if you don't care about that, then what kind of brand are you building? You know what I mean? <laughs> so I think I think we have that conversation. And then so that they can digest it, we quickly zoom in to an 18-month chart. You know, right. like, okay, I can I can think in 18-month increments, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. No, no, uh, no. so we do that. And I would say the second thing is, is, I think we're starting to improve. I'm starting to improve on showing the vision to our team. Um, I came to a realization last year that the value in everything that we do is not necessarily in our clients and it's not necessarily in our growth stories. It's in our team and who they become. That's what's going to drive everything. And we can tell stories or not tell stories, but if we're building the very best growth team we're going to win and we're going to win for our clients and like that has become a little bit well actually significantly more of my focus uh, i wonder if my team can tell sometimes you know but i am working on it so i will crack that nut and uh and and uh be really focusing on uh the team and in talking about what we're voting for and against with our team and what we stand for, where we're trying to get to. Does that make sense? Yeah. Can you can you get specific on like anything that you any changes to your weekly behavior? Yeah. To help so communicate that to the team. Yeah. A couple things that I'm doing is so I watched a couple of the Patrick Lencioni videos. Um, and he talks about meetings, and we realized that we had a little bit of dysfunctional meetings and I'm one of those more creative guys who like pulls in ideas and we can take quite a few detours inside of a meeting. So I'm really starting to realize that that's actually not very productive. Um, so, uh, starting to really get that narrowed down and like on our two main meetings a week, um, on our Monday meeting where we review our scoreboard for the prior week, um, you know, we take a minute and we, kind of have an alignment section. So there's an alignment section that, um, you know, gives me an opportunity to talk about what the vision is, mm -hmm. what the values are, where we're going, why it's important, and make sure that we all understand where we're trying to head and, and what's in front of us right now. Um, I would say that that, if nothing else, it feels great for me. <laughs> um, yeah. But I feel like I feel like it is aligning for the organization. Um, and I would say that on our Wednesday calls, we do a spotlight. And what we do is we have a um, we basically have an agenda for that. So there's 
um, you know, th th 13 weeks and a quarter, and we cover each topic twice, um, you know, going through some some key ele elements. So revenue, sales, culture, you know, all of those kinds of things, our execution, our numbers, that kind of stuff. That's awesome, man. And so is this, are you bringing everyone in the team into these conversations? Yeah, so being remote, so we're, we're all over the place, you know, um, lots of states and lots of countries. So yeah, we only meet twice a week as a, as a group and that's when we do these things. Dude, yeah. that's awesome. That's great. And how about from your client side? How often are you guys meeting with clients to kind of bring them back to these goals and kind of set their vision on what you're building toward? Yeah, so uh, we meet with our clients weekly, but I would say that we're not constantly re-indoctrinating them weekly. I would say that we're doing that on a monthly basis, probably monthly basis or inbound, maybe you know every two month basis, jumping in and recentering on where we're heading and why. You know. Okay, awesome. Can you talk to me about ten xing your brand? Right. So you know, there's. There's a 10x methodology, right? And I would say that one of the big champions of that is probably Grant Cardone. Uh, he talks about, he has that book, The 10x Rule. Uh, I actually found The 10x Rule after we talked about 10xing our brand, but uh, but I do think he wrote that first. Um, but uh, anyways, the, uh, the idea was is that you know, I worked like there, there's there's a couple levels of this. So there's the practical level and then there's the journey level. So and that's the reason why I like it a lot. So the practical level is, you know, we did a lot of websites where our clients were doing paid advertising and we learned that every year paid ads cost more and return less. And it gets really hard. Now you get a few innovations here and there on platforms and maybe you get a, a some green grass for a while, but then that's going to re rehappen again right yeah but with inbound and with growth driven design if you're making those incremental improvements with growth driven design and you're making those you're you're consistently growing at a growth rate which our clients are um you know you're actually going to see that compound growth year over year over year and we don't have to think linear anymore we can start to think orders of magnitude and we've done that for quite a number of clients we have quite a few 10x results and we have more than 10x results awesome. and so so there's a there's a level of what we're looking to achieve and it helps our us articulate that we want to take a long-term inbound view you know so we're not doing this we're not looking at a three month we're going to change everything we're realizing that you can't do growth but you can position a grant brand to deserve growth mm -hmm. um and then that's going to take place over quarters not hours yeah. you know um so i think that there's that and then there's the other piece which is we have really embraced the journey. So when we each develop ourselves to, you know, the the best of our abilities, you know, don't wish it was easier, wish you were better. You know, don't wish for less problems, wish for more skills. And we're we're really embracing the journey of when we when we deserve it, we'll, when we have done the work to deserve the position we're in, we're going to execute well. And when we have done the work for our clients, that they deserve growth. Literally, it blows away every other experience in the space. Growth is just the lagging indicator, you know, that's of cool, having dude. done the right work. So, so like, that's the 10x thing, you know? Dude. This episode of Agency Journey is brought to you by the Digital Project Manager. If you've ever struggled to get your projects delivered on time and on budget, then take a listen to this quick conversation. Ben Aston, who's the founder of the Digital Project Manager. So ben, is there one root problem that you've identified as the cause of so many of the agency project management problems we see? Um, yeah, I, I think the, the main thing really is that project management seems to be a bit of an afterthought. And I think that because it's an afterthought, it means that projects often are delivered late, they're delivered over budget, um, and the clients are often over-serviced, or 
disappointed because they don't get what they wanted to get at the end of the project. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Very few agencies come out of the gate with a plan for effective project management. So if that's the problem, what's the solution? And I know that that's something that you guys are helping to address. How are you helping agencies solve that issue? Yeah, so we uh, last year launched uh, something called the DPM School. Uh, it's an online training course for digital project managers. Uh, but really, it's a course not just for digital project managers. It's anyone who's involved in leading and managing projects. So whether you're an agency owner, you're the person who's been tasked with managing the project. Uh, this is a seven-week course. Um, it's a course that's scalable, so you can spend as little as one hour a week over the course of seven weeks or as many as 10, depending on how much time you've got. But it'll give you a really solid grounding on in the complete project lifecycle. So from project initiation right through to delivery, uh, you'll learn how to plan, uh, manage and deliver better projects. Projects that deliver results, uh, projects that are delivered on budget, on time uh, and with better relationships with the clients at the end of it. If you want to learn more about the Digital Project Manager and see if it's the right solution for you and your team, head over to zenpilot.com dpm. That's zenpilot.com dpm. Now back to the show. That's awesome. Does Has this positioning shift for you guys, does that play a role in the type of prospect that you want to attract to yourself, kind of that magnetic effect, the ones who are thinking long-term versus like, what can you do for me in 90 days? Um, I do think it helps us attract the right client. Is it perfect? No, you still have to filter. And, and I was literally in our team meeting like, you know, 30 minutes ago going, you know, we're in a position now where we can become significantly more choosy and never waver. You know, and, and there's two times last year that I can think of immediately that I wavered. I'm like, you know, they're not 100% bought in, but I accepted them in clients. Yeah. And then now, now ask me which two clients that I have problems with last year. Don't you know, it's, <laughs> it's the ones that weren't bought in and we didn't articulate that vision. And it's like, so this has become so, so fundamental, you know? That's cool. Yeah. The way a prospect behaves in the sales process is a huge indicator of how they're going to behave as clients. So pay attention, be selective. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, we're just getting started on this journey, but I think that a lot of clients don't know how to be clients. So like they're a puppy, they're super cute and we're happy to have them and fun to play with, but you have to train them how to be good clients. You know what I mean? Um, and, and when you have a problem, like there's no bad dogs, there's only bad owners. And I think we have to embrace that as, as an agency too. It, it's our failure to communicate and establish standards and routines. So that's going to be a real core focus. We're talking about rights and rituals a lot right now for where we're heading to for 2019 you know i love that because you hear so many people just kind of venting about bad clients that they have and venting about what their clients are allowing them to do oh and i do that too so but <laughs> but it's full circle and then i feel better and then i and then i turn around and realize it's all our fault yeah so well you tony know? robbins says you become what you tolerate and i that resonates with me in a huge way because when it comes to how your how you interact with your clients and what those communications are like and like what the culture and the feel is of your relationship with them like you are the one that sets that sets that expectation and you are the one that says whether or not a certain behavior type is acceptable or not so yeah you you will receive the standards that you settle for amen man amen yeah so can you talk to me about looking back at 18 again what is an area where you guys experienced some failure that you're learning from and that you can kind of share that lesson with some of us so that we don't have to make the same mistakes. 
Yeah. So a big one, uh, personal failure, diet and workout routine. Oh, <laughs> you know. But uh, that's, you know, starting there. I have a teenager now. That's a new struggle that I might currently be failing with, but working on it every day. And then for our own selves, I would say our biggest failure is our own growth driven design. Um, so possibly a area of minor hypocrisy that because I do sell that your digital brand needs to be the leading edge of the rest of your company and your company should be struggling to keep up with the messaging and experience of your brand. And I would say that this last year we were focusing so much on narrative and it hasn't really been communicated into the website as well as it can be. So uh, we actually had a pretty, I'm not a huge fan of marathon meetings, but we had a pretty decent marathon meeting this week about like there's about 20 things that we are going to really shove in um, to the pipe and start getting going on because we're we're behind our own brand experiences behind which is a little embarrassing so. yeah how do you get bring me into that how do you handle that inside the team do you have anyone on the team who's dedicated just to creating stuff for you guys or do you have to treat yourself kind of like a client on top of all the other clients you're working with yeah so each client on our team has its own assignments as re, as re, as it pertains to strategy content you know development design analytics that kind of thing is all you know assigned and we do the same thing for ourselves so we don't have a separate factory for our own self separate from our clients we treat ourselves um very much we run the same process we still run points and budgets we run um all of the same stuff as if we're our own client but when push came to shove and we saw some really nice growth, probably starting in May or June last year, we kind of forgot about ourselves. <laughs> so yeah. you know, that's what happened. Gotcha. Um, now as a growth team, like you guys are, you have to be on top of what moves the needle for clients and you're not going to be wasting time on tactics or strategies that aren't moving the needle for them. Can you bring us into how you keep your team and yourself sharp like what are the what are the continual trainings you guys are doing like how are you exposing yourself to new things um, in order to, to keep bringing that edge for your clients on an ongoing basis yeah so um, there's a couple things that we do uh, I'll just blurt them out really quickly so the first thing that we do is um, we're a digital marketer partner so we work with Ryan Dice and his crew and we have their training that costs us you know five or six K a year uh, all of our team is going through that as well as of course HubSpot certifications and other things. But, um, the thing that really fuels that is we have paid professional development for our team. So, uh, basically when they turn in, um, reviews of things that they're doing, they get rewarded for that at a much higher rate than our typical pay and it unlocks up to 10 K a year. So it's 2,500 a quarter on the line, um, that they can put into professional development. So, what we want to do is we want to outdevelop ourselves beyond every other agency. So there's the challenge, guys. <laughs> so um, is is we want to position ourselves to deserve it by becoming the very best in our space. So we developed a professional development curriculum for every level in our organization. These are the must reads. You can always do extracurriculars. Um, I have a stack of items that I'm into right now. Uh, we're really challenging ourselves to. Actually, I have it on my board here. You probably can't see it. Is it blurry? Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, the idea is, is that we're growing our clients so that we can focus on strategic growth for ourselves so that we can work on professional growth individually 
so that we can grow our clients, so that yeah. we can do strategic growth for ourselves. And if you don't do that professional growth individually, you're not going to get there. Yeah, so we're really, we've really doubled down on that. We're going to pay out um, 100k in bonuses. I'm pretty sure this year for professional development. So that's amazing. Yeah. Well, just big investment. Like, it's a huge like a investment. Boat. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just I'm blown away by that because. First of all, ha- like having a team is a huge investment. Like you're paying a lot to have those people, and if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Like you always have to be sharpening your sword if you want to stay competitive. Um, and early on, my my dad was an entrepreneur, and he works in corporate now, manages big teams. And a piece of advice he gave me around hiring is like you need to look at your team member not as someone that's going to be with you for life, but that it's just, it's something you have to steward a relationship that you need to steward because you're only going to have them for a certain season. How can you invest into them to help make the most out of the season that you have with them? And I love this method that you guys are doing of just pouring into them and motivating them to like continue to sharpen their own sword and move forward. What? How'd you? How'd you get here? Like, what's the the story around making this such a priority for you guys? Well, um, there's a couple. So the first thing is is that you know there's a few levels of income, right? So there's trading time for money. Then there's like your money makes money, and then there's multiple streams of income. And I came to realize that you know the multiple streams of income in an agency is not actually its clients; it's its team. So that's what drives your income is yeah, your team right. able to produce and execute and drive results. And the clients are the people that just happen to be, you know, partaking as part of it. So I realized that, you know, I'm now managing my investments just like I would manage uh, a, a stock portfolio, but way more aggressively. <laughs> um, so I want to really invest in my team. So um, that's the mindset. And then. You know, I was listening to this. This was more recent, but it ties it in nicely. So I was listening to this Earl Nightingale audiobook, and uh, it was a curation of all these different people about goals and vision. And one of them was, you know, we're always in pursuit of money, and it's such a negative situation. Although I will admit, I'm I'm somewhat coin operated, um, but uh, the. Uh, um, but what if we weren't, in, instead of being pursuit of money, in which case there's never enough, yeah. and every time you hit a level, you're like, okay, well, I guess I just go for the next level, because you're not going to find fulfillment in that. What if instead of pursuit of money, you're in pursuit of wisdom? Hmm. And like, hmm. what if that was the mission? And will not money just come with it? Yeah. That's you know? Lag indicator there. So, so let's, just, let's just be in pursuit of wisdom. Let's be in pursuit of personal growth. What's that going to do for our career? You know, who are we going to become and what's that going to let us attract? And like, so that was in that uh, audio book, really liked it. Um, that's basically the deal. We should be working like we're going to be in our space and working when we're 80 years old. Well, what are you going to do if that's the vision? Well, you're going to become the best in your space because you don't want to be at the level you're at when you're 80 years old, you know? So it's the only way, you know? That's amazing, yeah. Yeah. So how has so, your how has your team then responded to that? Because that's one thing for an owner to come in and say like I'm going to keep getting better. Like I own this thing. I'm driving this ship. I need to get better. What's it like for a, for a team member? Did you was there a process to get them to buy into like working on top of work? Like how did that go? Yeah. So I think because the professional development is 
quite a it's it's fairly lucrative right so yeah. um you know that that helps because that supplies significant motivation and there's a deadline which drives fear of missing out if i don't do it now i won't get it so i think that there's a lot of underlying good principles in play um also it's a we have a second bonus we have a, a 10k bonus tied to performance and if you don't do professional development you can't get it Okay. So Pretty it's like liar. we are not bonusing people that are not developing themselves okay. and as part of the culture. So if you add a 10K bonus and then, you know, the professional development bonus, that's $20,000 in bonuses available to every team member on the year. Uh, so I think that what we've done is we've just put some really juicy carrots out nice. front uh, as a foundation. And then like um, and then I think what happens is you can become a you can realize that it's helping you. Like, yeah. you know, you read this book, uh, one of the team members said, uh, pull this one up, Atomic Habits, which is a fantastic book, highly recommended. Um, they wrote in our deal that like, Atomic Habits might have changed my life. Like, here's the things I'm doing personally, here's what I'm doing professionally. And I think that, that we are adopting a culture of how far can you go? What's the limit? And it's the only limits who we become and how we develop ourselves. So I'm, I'm pretty much a, personal development missionary so Dude, love it that's so cool um was it a journey to like compile that curriculum together did you how did that come to be are you working with someone to pull that off or are you just kind of pulling books off your shelf that if you've you have found impactful and sharing them then with your team yeah so it definitely started with these are the things you have to do because like these are super <laughs> meaningful like you know i don't know how you're going to be able to do your job well if you haven't read you know deep work like yeah. if you haven't read that book we have a problem. So that's on the professional development deal. Um, and, you know, there's a number of books like that that are just kind of foundational and courses and certifications. So, you know, um, and then we have an inbound professional development chart and we have a growth driven design professional development chart. And I think it served us really well for about a year. And I think a lot of our team has like gone through it all. So now I'm realizing that, you know, we're going to have to plunge to new depths, you know, and, and uh and really develop this out which is which is a great problem you know that's, that's awesome man um so he's kind of shifting gears a little bit but like as a as an agency owner you've been in this space a long time when you kind of take a step back from the day-to-day -day life of running lean labs and you look at the market as a whole what are some fundamental shifts that you see coming in the future some things that you want to be preparing for you know for five years from now as you take a long-term view of this Right. Is this when we start talking about AI and bots? <laughs> and how they're going to take over everything? <laughs> right. No, um, so I think that uh, my strategy is thinking about that. So where where will you be in five years if you focus on developing yourself for maximum wisdom versus if you develop yourself for other ambitions? And like who's going to win on that long play, right? So like, like uh, that's kind of like the way that I look at it for shifts. Um, I think that you know, you can kind of play, compare, although I don't watch a lot of ball sports, but let's let's just use like football as a metaphor, uh, like high school football versus college football versus pro football. And I think in high school football, you see a lot of trick plays and people just run in and it's the, you know, just, just lobbing it down the field with a lot of hope that it works out. And I think that when you when you're beginning, that's what you do because you haven't established those fundamentals. Yeah. You know, in college, more fundamentals, less trick plays, but still a few. And in the pro pro level, it's it's all fundamentals. So it's it's applying and staying consistent to what you know works. So our kind of model is 
we're doing 60 to 70% what's now. Um, and then, you know, 20% what's next and then 10% experimentation. Does that make sense? Yeah. So for us, we're behind on video and that's our new focus for 2019. It was supposed to be our focus for 2018 if I'm being fully transparent. Um, <laughs> but it didn't really happen. Um, so we, we saw some good growth, which is great, but it kept us from focusing on that. So, okay. so for what's next for us is really catching up in video, or I think if we started a year ago, we would have been leading. Um, and then, uh, and then also empowering our team. Uh, I'm consistently surprised and impressed with when I can take my hands off and let them do stuff. I'm getting really good results. So uh, I was talking with one of our team members about how, like for inbound, 10% of it should be unbudgeted. Show us what you got. You know, let's see what we learn. Try something, you know. Um, so try doubling. We, we just did a deal last quarter where um, we doubled our internal points for certain types of content. And that enabled us to go way deeper and better. And I think we learned some stuff out of that. So, so really trying to see what, what we can do with, you know, quality versus quantity, hmm. you know, video versus just blog posts versus combined, um, run some experiments to see where traction is there. Does that make sense? Awesome. Yeah. Any, so, any takeaways from what's winning that you want to share? Um, keep going back, keep going back to old content and updating that, you know, stop, don't make content that competes with itself. So hmm. we have a, a, a newer client that has an enormous amount of content and, you know, we can get really significant gains from just improving what they already have. We don't have to constantly pursue more. You can constantly pursue better, you yeah. know? Um, so at least with a percentage of the budget, which for them I think is probably only about 33% is going back to refining what they have. Uh, so still a lot of new, um, cause we're, we're trying to help them niche into different spaces. But, um, but I think that that, that's a good playbook is don't forget about all of the assets currently out there. Um, we just reviewed 20 different offers that lean labs has. So we're starting to get robust offers. Um, and we planned our offers for this year. We have one new offer and fixing 20 offers, <laughs> you know, and making sure that they're awesome. So, yeah. you know, okay. So pursue wisdom as you grow your agency and then focus on doing better, not just more as you're like looking at the execution of the deliverables on an ongoing basis. Good sum. Yeah, uh, if I could, I could, um, you know, say it in a couple words. It would be, you know, level up the quality. Basically, make sure you deserve it. So, you know, growth is the lagging indicator of deserving growth. So, delivering what the customer is expecting, um, delivering, you know, that that buyer journey, all those next steps. You know, those are the things that drive growth. So, we just focus on on that and how do we make it better recognizing I'm probably a victim of this just like anyone else, but author bias. Okay. I think it's great. Yeah. What does yeah. the data say? Where's the friction in this process? How can we remove it? You know, so it's all those little incremental improvements. That's awesome, man. Now, since you've made, since you've made the shifts on your team to like invest back into them and put that focus on them, how has that changed your process for hiring and attracting new team members? Like, mm -hmm where you find them, the screening process you put them through, personality fit, all, all of that kind of stuff. Right. So, you know, our ability to curate a fantastic growth team is critical to success, right? So that's a real focus that I have had and continue to have into this year because we're going to have to add quite a few people. So one is 
we're trying to make a little bit famous the fact that we have paid professional development. It's $10,000 a year. We also have paid, you know, execution bonuses. It's $10,000 a year. Plus we work remotely and we're paid fairly well, like competitively to start. Like we have a lot that we're offering and are we giving up margin for that? Uh, yeah, we're giving up margin for that. So, uh, but I think that's the path to winning. Uh, then when we're in the process of, you know, um, hiring, we hire pretty slow. We hire slow. Um, we try to make sure that that's really what excites them. So, um, we kind of ask them what's that one job perk that would motivate you beyond everything else. And you'd think that's not a big deal, but we're looking for them to say something that we actually do. Cause if that's not it, we're not gonna, you know, if they don't say something like paid professional development or ability to go to conferences, ways to do stuff like that like there's a really good chance we're not moving forward because like that's the people that we want you know yeah people who actually align with the structure you've built and what you've seen to be a good i mean i love how you viewed your team as your investments and you're gonna you're gonna work really hard at like managing them because that's that's what's going to deliver results for your clients at the end of the day right so if you look at like the level of corporate the corporate world that's failing it's you know, like, like who, I don't know who you blame on this, but like, here's my take. Uh, so someone works in a job for 30 years and then doesn't get great benefits and didn't get an amazing pension or amazing level of ascension. Did that evil corporation limit them to where they are? Yeah. Or did that person not have a plan for what they're going to achieve? So it's on the person or is it on the culture of the company of not making that path available? I don't know. It's probably all of the above. So I want to make sure that I don't view my team members as, you know, our factory workers, you know, and not. I want to make sure that everyone on our team knows that we're investing them and expecting that growth. It's not a hope. It's an expectation. Um, So that does drive some accountability. Uh, I think it drives a mindset of how we think about our own work. Um, and I think you got to lay out the plan. Like this is literally how you get to the next level. And I think 100% of our team can say, this is where I'm at and this is exactly what I have to do to get to the next level. Um, and then, you know, we're probably not in a position to keep people, even people that we like, um, that aren't improving, you know? So yeah. that's basically the deal. Now, are you as CEO managing that process or do you have, you know, someone else in your core team that kind of takes point on making sure everyone's working through professional development, monitoring their growth, doing all that kind of stuff? Right. So if you uh, if you were to look at the like the, you know, the traction model, so I'm more of the visionary type, you can yeah. probably tell how I talk. I don't really like that label, but, you know, whatever I, I kind of titled myself head of growth. I think that that I really like that because I'm charting expectations for growth for clients and expectations for growth for team and working on my own growth. Yeah, <laughs> um, so yeah. like I like that title. Um, and then, yeah, I have to surround myself with executors to get things done. So uh, we have a really good head of operations, Stefan, who is is, you know, he's the person that is going to take it, organize it and make sure that we're able to see where it's at and what we need to do to get it done. Uh, and when I didn't have Stefan, I was not near as good as my job. <laughs> so, That's so, cool. so that was good. Yeah. yeah. Is there, do you as kind of the leader of the company see a different developmental track 
from what like your core team or like your man like your managers to your the full out team or is it all kind of a flat everyone's into the same bucket for development wise yeah uh i have like i'm i'm into about four books on leadership and i have like six after it um like that has to be a core focus of mine, mm-hmm. but I don't think everyone has to take that exact track. Uh, I think until you're in a position of building a team and you're just working with one or two other people, you don't probably have to take that path. So, so I think it's different based upon where you're at, you sure. know? Um, and like, I, I'm probably a poor executive. Uh, I really still like to jump in and contribute to the group rather than sit back and ask smart questions uh so we'll see if if these you know eight or ten books can help me along the way you know that's awesome well kevin this has been an an awesome conversation i really appreciate you pulling back the curtain um i've got one more question before we wrap this up and that is if the kevin barber that started lean labs back in the day could learn anything from kevin today about positioning your agency and how to stand out from the crowd what would you have done differently just getting started out than you did? So I think I would have started articulating the vision sooner. I would have taken the time to ask myself why, 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 like forget five why, you might have to go seven or 10 (laughs) to get to what ultimately drives you what ultimately drives your motivation, you know, for for your team, um, what ultimately you want for your client. But if you don't ask why to really get the story behind it, like I'm on, like I say this as a joke slash completely serious. Like I want to be like the very best marketer ever. Jesus, it's like 2000 years. He's still converting. He told stories <laughs> that people could apply in their daily lives. Like, like, so you'll notice that I'm backing up every single thing I say with kind of like a metaphor of how you apply it. Right. And I think that that makes what you say memorable and actionable and, you know, that kind of deal. So I think that it's really articulating that vision, that path, what, what success looks like, how we're going to get there. And I think when you can articulate that, people want to be a part of it. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I would have done even more of. Uh, I think it took us a few years to figure that out. That's cool. I just see like a magnetic presence about what you guys are doing, like both from how you attract prospects and clients and team members. Like you're being polarizing. You're not afraid to define who is a good fit, who's not a good fit for the clients and the team. Um, so hats off, man. Well, they say that uh, the number one um, – you know, attributors to success, I've seen this quite a bit lately, actually, is self-awareness. Hmm. So become self-aware, become organizationally aware of what are you, what are you not? What do you stand for? What are you against? It's like, it's just another articulation of the same thing. Uh, that becomes magnetic because people can find purpose in that. That's awesome, man. Um, is there a place you want to send some folks who are listening and want to learn more about what you guys are up to or want to reach out and say hi? Um, yeah, so... I would love to get like if you come to our website, click on our team page. You can come to my own profile, send me a note. You, um, you know, that's probably the easiest way to to drop something across to me. If uh, you are a winner and held back in your current organization, and you want to, you know, look at our team, don't. That's too much of a poaching play. I shouldn't have said that. Anyways, yeah, but we are always looking for who, how we're going to build that great growth team. So pretend I didn't say that. And then, uh, you know, I'm in a couple of masterminds with other agency owners, and I really enjoy that. 
Um, I will go more detail into what my failures are. And, you know, I love to learn from someone else's mistakes so I don't have to make it. And I share plenty of our, plenty of our own. So, you know, like, I think there's a lot we can learn from our community. Uh, I owe a lot to other agency owners that have helped me see, you know, my own flaws. So, you know, I think that that's the path. Cool, man. Well, thanks so much for your time. We've loved having you here and I'm sure we'll be back again soon, man. All right, cool. Thank you. See you later. See you, man.